0: This is the Team Sidelined podcast, a podcast launched to support the mental game of student athletes during these extraordinary times of COVID-19's impact on life and sport, brought to you by Sidelined USA. We invite athletes, performance coaches, and resource experts to discuss coping skills, strategies, and mindset work, which have proven to help sidelined athletes face their adversity, build resilience, and forge forward even stronger. And now, here's our host, Executive Director of Sidelined USA, Christine Pinalto.
1: We acknowledge there's a lot of ups and downs right now due to COVID's continuing disruption on sport. The impact of the shutdowns, the varying return to play clearances, the impact of championships, the threat of additional shutdowns. These are all taking a mental toll on athletes. It's fair to say it's going to be a challenging year, and the mental game is more important than ever. And that's where the Sideline USA team wants to step in to help. We get it. We understand these challenges, perhaps like no other group. We are a nonprofit that serves athletes who have experienced a medical exit from sport, such as career-ending injury, a health diagnosis, or history of concussions and we help them address the mental and emotional impact of being cut off from their sport, blocked off from their goals. So whether your personal losses are permanent or more temporary, we'll use our expertise to address the hard topics and build you up with practical insights from people who really understand the factors at play in the mental game when you're forced to the sidelines. We hope you'll follow along with us this year and use this program as an opportunity to really address head-on the challenges you face. Our team is excited to get the conversation started with this first episode. Here we go.
0: And now, Game 1, Coping with Loss, Loneliness, and Chronic Stress, featuring mental performance coach Matt Brown and athlete After Huddle with Matthew Harris and Alyssa Boytree. Neither Sideline USA nor its affiliates provide clinical or medical care of any kind via their relationship with Sideline. At no time should a user have an expectation of clinical care or professional services offered or rendered.
1: Hi everyone. Today I have with me Matt Brown. Matt is a mental trainer for Edge School for Athletes and mental performance coach for the Calgary Flames. He actually also is a former medically disqualified athlete. He had this experience in college where he was playing college football, and uh, he had a severe neck injury that took him out of football altogether. So he understands um, these topics and issues from multiple perspectives. He understands these topics like nobody else, and we really, really appreciate him being willing to be a part of this project this year and share with us. You guys will see a lot of Matt this year. Um, Matt, thanks for joining us and being a part of this.
2: Thanks for having me, Christine. It's always good to see you.
1: All right, Matt. So we're going, I guess, technically, I think we're on month seven of pandemic, (laughs) coping with the pandemic. It's much longer than all of us hoped. I mean, and we know that it's not going away anytime soon. There's no magic wand that's going to just magically take this away and and everything's going to go back to life as we know it. Um, In the beginning of this pandemic, there was a lot of talk about Dealing with all its all the stressors that are happening for athletes. Everyone had to go home from college. Everyone um, had to stop all their sports. Now, of course, fall sports has been impacted as well. There's a lot of up and down going on. Um, there's a lot of comparisons. There's certain programs that are playing certain ones that are not. It's all over the board. What are you seeing as kind of the psychological aftermath of that this many months in and realizing that this is continuing to take a toll on mental health and just mental just just general wellness at all in student athletes what are your observations
2: well you know one of the biggest obstacles is just the not knowing uh you know if you knew like it, by the time we get to this point uh it'll be done it'll be over we'll be back to normal you'll be training and playing and the rest of it uh then you could have a very natural kind of you know kind of grieving process and then a rev up and then you train and then it's you know everyone i think could deal with a lot easier than being told well we might start in two months or four months or six months or 12 months Uh, and because it just leaves you in that limbo where you just don't know you know how to train or what to do or uh, yeah it just uh i think that's that's one of the things that's most difficult right now is just the not knowing Mm -hmm. so but uh it's been a busy Uh, You know, as we have talked about a little bit, it's been a busy seven months or so, uh, because I think that athletes in a lot of cases are being hit by this harder than the general public. Uh, You know, the general public, if you're kind of isolating and wearing a mask and, you know, there can be a lot of more or less back to normal, but... um, as athletes you know so much of what makes you you or that gets you out of bed in the morning uh, has been taken away and it's not just taken away once like every day is its own loss Uh, and so just you know dealing with that emotional piece and uh, kind of grieving what's been taken away is is a a really important part of
1: the process yeah for sure there's there's all of this. This there's loss, and then there's chronic loss, and it, it makes a lot of sense what you said about like every day has its own loss, and it can get this like I don't know if if this is the right term, but there, I feel like there's this compounding effect of of loss upon loss upon loss, and that can obviously lead to um, you know just a lot of lack of motivation, um, you know, depression, just feeling this sense of like waiting for it to be over. Um, but because it's not gonna be over, there's no like end game, like you said, um, feeling like apathy, just like, why bother? What's, what's the point if this whole year is a loss anyways? So what would you say to athletes who are feeling that sense of like, I don't know, the next step of loss, like turning into apathy because it just feels like it's too much to take on?
2: Right, yeah. Well, I think the first piece is to understand you know, kind of what happens to us when we grieve. Uh, because they're, because chronically it's hard on athletes because it's so confusing. Because the first thing that happens is your energy goes away, uh, and and then your brain can only focus on what what has been lost, what's been taken away from you. Uh, so it's by design. It's so that we can digest that change. Uh, but when you're an athlete and every day your energy is lower than what you're accustomed to, you can start to you know not just you know feel low, but feel badly about yourself because you're like, usually I'm so motivated. I'm so energized. I'm so like, I pop out of bed because I can't wait to get after it. Uh, And so you haven't lost that. You're just in a grieving process, you know? And and so it's important to recognize that what makes you, you and what makes you special, it's, it's all still in there. Uh, But you're just dealing every day with this, uh, this, you know, kind of aspect of your life being taken away. Um, So Uh, The next part was, you know, and through this and dealing with athletes here in Canada, there was that first part where they just felt sad a lot of the time, low energy, low motivation, uh, tearful, uh, always kind of right on that edge of emotionality. Uh, And then about six weeks into that process, you started to hear, like you say, something different. So it wasn't, I feel sad all the time. It's like, I'm not feeling anything. Uh, and, and what happens is if you're kind of chronically in a uh, in that emotional state eventually your system just fatigues mm-hmm. uh, and and just starts to kind of you, you fall into sort of shutdown mode uh, and that's you know that's that kind of i don't care i'm not feeling anything anymore uh feeling which is a it's a hard one to kind of unstick but um but at when you know when you get that point i think the the next step that's most important is to say okay well what what has been taken away you know like it's it's not just the activity i love to do it's the people that i do it with uh it's the, the that natural kind of rev up to game day or to the playoffs or all those things that's that makes the season have a rhythm and a cycle to it uh and and that's been taken away as well it's the uh the relationship that you have with your body uh kind of starts to fall apart a little bit because you're not you know training as much you're moving the same way or or getting to you know experience uh, how good you are at that you know at that one thing uh so once you once you identify kind of whatever what are all those layers that have been taken away then you can start to rebuild it in terms of how can i connect with teammates how can i get workouts in that Uh, that still make me feel great and allow me to move and feel athletic and strong um, and give me a sense of freedom. Uh, How, you know, how can I take this time and give it meaning? Uh, And, and that's where uh, it's, it can be really useful to think of it the same way you would like a, uh, a four to six month injury, you know, where it's possible that in four months, you know, you'll be back on track, but it's just as possible that it's going to take six. Um, And for a lot of people that if you're just killing time in that time, then it's, it's excruciating. But if you say, okay, I have that much time somewhere between there and there. uh, How can I transform my body in a way that's going to make me like a, a next level of myself when we do go back, you know, to, to play, you know, so someone who, uh, you know, has an ACL reconstruction and they have that time, lots of times they'll say, okay, I'm going to really, uh, I'm really going to develop my core, uh, my core strength, uh, or I'm going to be doing lots of Pilates and yoga and things that allow me to, to gain uh, flexibility and mobility, um, uh, or, I may, or I'm or i going to work on my upper body strength and, and make that next level, you know, better than it's ever been before. Because uh, when you have a project like that and you have, uh, the opportunity to essentially transform yourself, rather than just waiting and killing time, and, you know, to to jump back in the way you were before, uh, then that time has purpose, uh, and you can actually um, find motivation that you wouldn't be able to find otherwise if uh, if you were just just rehabbing and getting ready to go.
1: Right. That's really good. I think a lot of athletes, it's helpful to think of it in terms of like those, like you said, like listing out the things that you've lost um, or partially lost even, and then working to rebuild What what is possible. Like there's certain th- limitations up there, of course, but like, where can we find movement? If we're finding movement of some sort um, in that space, even if it's not anything compared to what it used to be, it's like, I think we have to we have to have a different marker, a different starting point from like where we're measuring um, our satisfaction with whatever outcome we're looking for. Because if we're measuring off of how it used to be, and this is something we talk about with methodist qualified athletes, it's like if we talk about like what used to be um, in, in terms of what we, we can't just like make happen magically, um, it's almost like we're setting ourselves up for frustration because we can never achieve that, that's out of our hands. So any thoughts there?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, people think I'm joking when I say like pretty good's the new great, <laughs> you know, because if you <laughs> yeah. if you are, dealing, right, like if if you are dealing with a situation where every day part of what you're dealing with is loss,
1: so there's going to be an element
2: of of sadness and or frustration to each day, uh, then then right from the get-go, uh, your the amount of energy you have to work with is lower. You know so uh, and then you know if you have an athlete who's starting the day with less energy and then they have a workout that they don't feel good about and they're you know chronically comparing that workout to what they usually do you know then that what what little energy you started with is gonna it's gonna deplete even more you know day after day after day to the point where you just you just feel stuck and you can't even motivate yourself to do a mediocre workout um, but if you say okay you know I, i'm i am running against the wind here every day. Uh, and so with that in mind, uh, I'm actually, and this is, this is hard for athletes to hear, but I'm actually going to lower the bar a little bit in terms of what I expect from myself, you know, because if I can kind of finish, you know, a, a scaled down workout, that's, it's not what I'd normally do, but it's, it's what I had to give on the day then I get the that that endorphin and norepinephrine kind of high from the exercise. I feel good. I feel a little bit stronger. Uh, I feel like it was a success because I set the bar a little lower. Uh, then now I have an opportunity to kind of build on you know, on that day, the next day. You know, but if, if every day you're comparing what you did to what you'd normally do, then you just you create this bleed of energy and happiness. Uh, and eventually you know again you get stuck so it might it might be the only time athletes will hear, <laughs> hear me say this but but in terms of what you expect from yourself right now while you're going through this period lower the bar a bit mm-hmm. you know take more pride and satisfaction and you know i started today not feeling very motivated but i you know but but that was pretty good you know and again pretty good it's new great <laughs> <You know? laughs> Pretty good is the
1: uh, new great. Let's like write that on our mirrors because
2: honestly, it's because yeah. it's it's just the paradigm to a place where uh, what energy you have to give, um, you know, you can uh, you can grow freedom, fruit on that tree. You know, you can get something out of it that you can that becomes sustainable in terms of your energy and mood and uh, motivations.
1: Right. So. Do you feel like since athletes, they do tend to have a lot more loss right now, do you feel like coupled with that, like it's my suspicion that just the, the, the personality of a dedicated athlete also is another challenge that nece- doesn't necessarily work in their favor until they make it work so. Have you seen any like tendencies that athletes might have just because of, you know, who athletes are that maybe would be, lend them towards unhealthy coping?
2: For sure. Well, when you look at the fact that, you know, a lot of athletes are as good as they are because uh, every day they see where they are and, and they know where they could be. And then the difference between those two things, it, it torments them, it's uncomfortable. And so it compels them to work. Uh, and I mean, that's more often than not. not that's kind of the profile of an athlete. Uh, so, <laughs> so to begin with, they, you know, they're probably dealing with a bit more kind of anxiety and, and, and worry and, and fear than the average person. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. So if on top of that in the past they were able to minimize some of that angst by just training really hard and having little successes, and then you take the ability for them to do that away, uh, then, then you can see them, uh, kind of hitting that, that threshold of, I don't feel like I can handle this. Uh, more quickly than the average person uh, so you know because it's yeah. and I, it was a, a Polish fellow in the 30s named Dabrowski who first kind of pointed out that the more higher functioning people are often the ones who they're that way because they uh, they are bothered by the difference between where they are and where they could be mm. uh, so yeah. yeah so it's um, so like I said I just think this this time is hitting the high achiever, way harder than it is Joe Schmo because there are a lot of kids that are like this is awesome I'm playing so many video games and it's you know and I don't I don't have I don't have to go out and kind of contribute to the world but but the athlete this is just it's it's been such torment Uh, but but that's where uh, being purposeful about how you design your day and and, and what constitutes a you know a, a good day and a good workout and a good training session? Uh, tweaking those uh, can diminish some of that pain.
1: Mm-hmm. for sure. So along with with coping with loss, um, there is another element that's extremely challenging and that is that isolation. Um, that the pandemic has caused and continues to cause even for for teams that are working out you know they have to do it in a way that just does not feel normal sometimes contacts allow but only a certain number of days a week and you know it, it gets oh, and then they can't hang out with they're not supposed to hang out with other non-teammates because that exposes them to additional you know potential for the virus and then they could spread that to the team and there's this stress of like when we do get to return to play I'm the one that like gets COVID and then um I'm passing it on to other people um there you know I've heard from athletes that that's kind of terrifying it feels like a lot of pressure to not get COVID um, yeah. and because of that and then coupled with just like the isolating tendencies and like when you feel like well what can I do um that's allowed there just is this real sense that i'm seeing of um just more disconnected than ever and you know you get tired of zoom meetings we're hosting a zoom meeting so um we know we're contributing there but it's the best that we got so i know there's no magic answer here that no one has ever thought of before but is there any like just from an athlete care perspective like what would you say to an athlete who's maybe struggling with feeling like um just this sense of loss from that social interaction that as it normally is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I remember at that when it all started, uh, I was doing zoom meetings with kind of each of the edge school uh, sport groups. And I was talking to these kids, like they were like, you know, t- 10 to 13 year old hockey players, you know, so, uh, so lots of the time, you know, they're how they act is pretty, <laughs> you know, pretty kind of puffed up and, and, you know, I'm not scared or I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't hurt. And, uh, and, and I said like, what, if, what sorts of things are you guys feeling right now? And they, you know, it was a bigger group. So they would just kind of type in, uh, you know, and then you could kind of see the feet coming up and some were like, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Uh, someone said sad. And then someone said, I just thought for an 11 year old to be this vulnerable in front of his peers, he typed, I'm so lonely. And then like right after that you see same, same, yep, 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 me too, me too, me too. Like just it's like he just nailed it. I thought, wow. Like that's for him to say that in that forum tells Mm -hmm. you how intense it was. Um so then we started to talk about, you know, like you know, obviously what you're used to. Because the other thing with young athletes is they're always touching each other, and you know, like arms around each other and wrestling and hugging and, because uh, they're so, you know, they're athletes, they're physical. They, they they live in their bodies more than the average person does. And so not being able to even kind of touch and reach out and or high five or uh, like all that stuff, uh, it, that in itself is its own loss uh, to an athlete. So yeah, so that feeling of isolation can be profound. Uh, but I think the, the key is to say, okay, uh, we know that we can't have ideal, uh, but, but how can we do this in a way that doesn't put anyone at risk, uh, in, in kind of, you know, smaller groups that are outside or socially distanced. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, for, for kids that I knew that live close enough to each other, it's like, you know, you guys both have a dog meet, you know, meet at a, a dog park, stay six feet you know, <laughs> apart, walk your dogs. Uh, and just walk and talk and be, you know, just be in that same physical space with each other. And, you know, just the, uh, the, the dogs of the people I worked with were like over the moon because they're just getting walked constantly. <laughs> you <know? laughs> because, you know, that it's not, it's not the same, but it's, uh, but it's really close. You know in terms of just being physically with someone but you know you're not in physical contact so you know you're not you know taking a, a great big risk with it and you know, you know you're know you outside so that mitigates risk as well but you get to socialize you get to be with a teammate you get to just just walk and talk and be uh, and and just finding those things that allow you to be together uh, the more organic the better so walking you know, walking together and walking dogs is, uh, is really good. Being outside, you know, in someone's driveway with uh, chairs that are, are all, you know, six feet apart uh, is better than, you know, than Zoom and FaceTime and Google Meets and all that stuff. And, and those electronic Snapchat. versions. Yeah.
1: They're all Snapchat.
2: <laughs> and that's one of the conversations we had was like Snapchat, mm-hmm. it augments your socializing well. Mm-hmm. Right, Because it's, it's a little, uh, you know, because you have each other during the day where you're in the same physical space and you can read tone and body language and you, you're actually, you can actually see them and hear them talking. Uh, but Snapchat, it takes away so much of that sensory part. It takes away mm-hmm. the, the animation of a face. It takes away the, uh, the tone of voice. It takes away the excitement in, uh, in you know, what they're saying. Uh, and all you're left is you know with this still and some text, um, so it's it's just not as good as uh, you know even you know it's not as good as even talking on the telephone, which people are funny right because they're like phone is an app on my phone that I hate when people try and use it. <laughs> you
1: know? I know it's my I've got two teenage daughters and they're like mom, no one calls each other. And I'm like well this might be the time <laughs> like time to change that because like just like you said just that there's only so much that you know typing can do and I think we have to acknowledge that that has that's your your preferred method but there has some serious weaknesses to the right that right now and that may be part of why you feel so isolated it's because it's just that sense of like the personality behind um the the nonverbals even are just you know like maybe yeah, doing video calls is a, is a way to make it feel a little bit more in person and less like I'm gonna ring in the you know, ring my friend, like in a really weird way.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Face, Face, FaceTime is great because it's, you know, because you can see in real time someone responding to you and vice versa. Uh, you know, because what, what people tend to like about text and, and Snapchat and those things is you get to control it completely. Uh, and at the end of the day, when you're kind of tired and you just want to be, you know, you want to kind of drive that chip yourself, that, that makes sense. But when you haven't had any social contact with anyone, uh, then the closer you can get to the real thing, you know, where you, you, know, you can see, see the animation and their, their, you know, their body language and facial expression change in response to what you're saying and how you're saying it, um, that's, you know, unless you have a medium that captures that, uh, of course, you're going to feel lonely and isolated.
1: Definitely. Well, all of these things are really good. We're going to wrap up really soon here, but um, I'm just thinking about some of the things that you said have been really helpful when you think about dealing with chronic stress, which we haven't like named that word necessarily directly yet, but that's essentially um, what we're talking about when we talk about the loss. We talk about the isolation. Those are huge stressors. We talked about physical activity, talked about purposeness. you know, purposefulness and finding um, ways to move the needle on some things in your life that you're feeling like you're missing that are not as like you know, awesome as you want them to be. You talked about connecting with other people, um, even connecting with dogs, which I highly recommend. Um, finding a dog to love on, finding an animal to love on. If you're a cat person, that's okay. We forgive you. I'm a dog person, but um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but like those kinds of things are all really helpful in dealing with chronic stress. I mean, we've definitely gone past the point of stress. We are dealing with chronic stress. And I think part of it for athletes is having that kind of self compassion to say, yeah, like this is, this is an extraordinary amount of stress that I'm under. And like any day that I, um, you know, have that, you know, good ish day, um, is a win. And how can I celebrate that? How can I move that, you know, forward, do that over and over again? Is there anything that we missed? Like as is, I know there's a million things that you could offer, but are there any, like, Kind of tips or tools for managing stress that we haven't talked about yet.
2: Yeah, uh, one thing is take sleep when you can get it, uh, because uh, you know we didn't really talk about that. You know that full stress response, but um, we're built to respond uh, to stressors where it's you know there's a stressor, you it energizes you to deal with it, and then it and then the situation calms down, and then you know onto the next stressor whatever it is. Uh, but but this stress is not, you know, it's not going away. So it, it leaves our, what we call our sympathetic nervous system kind of in a, in a perpetual state of readiness, which means we never actually let down and fully rest. Uh, and, and they've been studying sleep quite a bit and uh, during COVID and saying like, yeah, most, like most people are not sleeping as well or as long or as deeply as they normally do. Uh, and that's just, unfortunately, that's the new normal during COVID because you know I call a spade a spade it's a global pandemic people are dying um, and the the only uh, the only way to to contain it is through a lot of sacrifice for everyone uh, so that's stressful no matter how you slice it uh, and so you know if you need to nap during the day do if you uh, you know just um, just finding sleep wherever it'll come allows you not to find yourself in a you know in a chronic kind of deficit of of recovery uh so that's that's one of the big things uh i i I don't think you can be outside too much right now Mm. that's another thing that'll actually help with the sleep because the daylight uh and then the dark uh, allows us to kind of preserve and protect a cycle you know in our bodies and and how we rev up and then you know and then calm down um and uh it's yeah you know we there are all these threats to our, you know, our well-being right now. So let's let's get back to basics. It's it's good nutrition. It's you know, it's you know, get, getting enough rest and sleep. It's uh, it's being outside. It's moving our bodies. Like those are the things that are going to allow us to feel, you know, feel healthy and can you know connected and um, and sane. <laughs> so totally.
1: But. And just like you'd show up for practice, even when you don't feel like it, you kind of have to show up for yourself. You have to like eat healthy. You have to push yourself to go outside when you're not made to. Um, you have to lean into those things for yourself. And like, I think in terms of, um, you know, you're your own like teammate right now. You're, it's, you know, team yeah. like fill in your name. It's like, you've got, we we have to like surround ourselves with community of course, but like at the end of the day, you're deciding, um, you know, how much you're going to go forward with all of these kind of tips and and, and movement, or if you're going to sit back and just like let life happen and hope that this goes away fast. And I just, you know, I I like what you were saying Matt. lots of really practical ideas about how to just continue to grow as a person during this time and not like waste this year, even though I know it feels like a waste. I think it's a very natural feeling to feel like you, if you were, if you could, you'd just go hide under a rock until it's all over. I mean, I have felt that. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, look, I think it's okay to do that for a day if you have to, right? Like if we have like a really hard day, like, hey, today is a day I just don't feel like being productive. I think it's kind of building in some of those is a is a measure of self-care, but then yeah. turning it around and like, okay, <laughs> time yeah. to get busy.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, athletes, because they're so inspired by their sport, uh, they can get away with putting a lot of pressure on themselves, you know, to, to squeeze as much out of their training as they can. So they can add pressure and it works out. Uh, but because of this kind of chronic deficit in energy that we have, it's at least temporarily, it makes more sense to say, okay, uh, my energy is just lower than what it normally be. What are some of the things that I can do that actually regenerate energy? You know, so there's a difference between I have to work out and I have to train to get better versus if I work out and train, I'm going to feel better. You know, it's going to give me some energy back. I'll feel better about my body and my life, my direction, my future. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's so what your workout does for you becomes more important than what you do for your workout. Uh, That's good. Put, put differently. <laughs> That's
1: good. Yeah. We're going to do an athlete huddle right now. Um, So next up is going to be a couple of uh, mentor sideline athletes. Athletes who have had a medical disqualification from sport and they're now past that. It's been something that's part of their journey, but they've been able to kind of come full circle to acceptance and they're going to reflect on the things that Matt has talked about and any um, insights that they have about uh, the personal experience of living out these things. Um, Matt, Thanks so much for um, providing us with this foundation of um, of tools. I know it's just the beginning. We're gonna we're gonna continue to do more. But uh, thanks so much for your insights.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. All
1: right. All right. So today for our athlete huddle, I've got Alyssa Boytree and Matthew Harris. Alyssa is both of them are former sideline athletes who had to give up their sport due to. Um, actually, in this case, it's both concussions. Um, and now Alyssa is a coach, and her, her sport is cross country. Matthew is a football player, and uh, he now works at a venture capital firm, and is a Sideline USA advisory board member. Um, thanks, guys, for being here to kind of do the after discussion on Matt's talk on loss, loneliness, and chronic stress. Um, Alyssa, why don't you, we'll start with little brief introductions of your sideline story and, and tell us like just the basics of how you became, you know, medically disqualified and um, just a little bit about that background.
3: Um, okay. Well, hi, I'm Alyssa. <laughs> uh, I, um, in high school, I played hockey uh, and I ran track and I played a few different other sports as well. And um As a junior, I actually got a really bad concussion uh, that really lasted, the symptoms lasted for over a year, um, almost two years actually. And so uh, I really had to make some hard decisions as a junior in high school just as to, okay, do I wanna risk doing this again or do I wanna heal and get better and focus on other things? And so I became sidelined then and just chose to give up hockey just as a safety thing. I actually was able to go on and run cross country and track in college, but I also kind of had a second sideline situation. Um, I took a um, mental health leave from cross country and track as a senior in college, uh, just because I think all of the anxiety from my first sidelined experience kind of followed me along and that kind of became my identity for a long time. Uh, and so I kind of hit a peak of anxiety and just needed to take a break. So now as a coach, My goal is to make sure that kids don't feel alone in that and can have an open area to talk about it. Awesome.
1: Same question to you, Matthew.
4: Sure thing. Thank you for sharing, Alyssa. Um, A pleasure to be on this conversation with you as well as you, Christine. Um, My name is Matthew Harris. Uh, My sign life story revolves around concussions as well. My concussions date back to when I was in high school. Um, I was fortunate enough to get uh, a scholarship opportunity to go to Northwestern University where I played football. Um, started as a freshman, um, all Big Ten, and honestly just had aspirations to play in the NFL. Um, and during uh, during the year I, I had concussions each year that I was there. And eventually, it just got to a point where it got very easy for me to have a concussion. Um, a normal football play would kind of put me out of the game for couple weeks at a time and eventually I just decided to stop playing the sport because of the long-term effects and not knowing what that would be like Um, and it was very difficult just knowing that you know I was a few weeks away from potentially getting drafted and going into the NFL and really accomplishing my dreams but ultimately I wanted you know my health and safety in the long run to be at the forefront of my mind so I'm happy to be a part of Sideline USA and it's a pleasure to really just partner with the work that's being done.
1: Thanks. Yeah. And I think what's, what's neat is being able to have you guys here as, you know, people who've experienced from an athlete's perspective, something as close as possible to what pandemic sideline athletes are feeling right now, as you know, as particularly right now where so many of them are seeing other teams playing. And being maybe jealous of that, of course, being jealous of that, I should say, and just feeling like there's a lot of confusion out there um, about return to play and when that's going to happen for them and if they're going to get shut down and all those things, a lot of that uncertainty. So I know you guys have really gone through the ringer when it came to having to get through, even though you in many ways decided for yourselves, your body's really decided for you, your brain health decided for you, what was good for you and like what you could continue to do. So um, being sidelined like that, we really want to lean from your perspective. I know you guys have had a chance to listen through Matt's, Matt, to my discussion about these issues. And like, we're just going to kind of do an after huddle and talk about the things that Matt brought up related to your personal experience. I'm asking you guys to like offer any additional insights as far as like um, your personal experiences with those particular um, themes. And we're going to start off, let's start off talking about um, that energy drop. Um, Matt started off speaking about a natural response to grief being an energy drop. Tell me either one of you want to take this one about like what that looked like for you and like how, how you made a change at some point towards building, rebuilding energy.
3: Um, Well, I, something Matt said that really resonated with me um, is just that way when you're going through this like chronic grief um, or chronic stress. Uh, You are kind of in a perpetual state of readiness. You're always kind of up here um, and go, go, go. And you can't like let down um, and that, you know, can affect your sleep and that, you know, not getting sleep, you know, obviously affects your energy and so on and so forth. And so I kind of feel that because in both of my scenarios, I was so, stressed out with the change and all of a sudden going from playing to not and having the schedule to not and not being able to be with my teammates and all these other different weird things that were kind of coming at me and I couldn't quite put it in the box and just like handle it, I guess. Uh, And so that perpetual state of readiness really like, you know, you can't sleep and then you feel like you need to like work out to calm down because sometimes just like getting in a run or a skate or whatever um, kind of helps you level off for the day if you had a stressful day. So not being able to do those things and then not sleeping, you're kind of just at this weird thing and your energy really depletes and then you're kind of confused. Does that make sense? And so I think that, um, you know, as an athlete too, under chronic pressure and stress, that's helpful in a competition setting. But then when you get to, uh, a non-competition setting or like a real life scenario where you're just you're not being competitive and you don't need that drive per se, it can kind of bite you in the butt a little bit. So,
4: and Matt mentioned uh, system fatigue, and I think Alyssa is talking about it a little bit too. And I think that energy drop really stems from that you know, you're going, 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 going um, and then ultimately at some point it just stops and you have no control. And I think part of that lack in the fear of not having control feeds into that energy drop because you're still trying to figure out how you navigate certain spaces. You may hit a roadblock, you're not getting sleep. Um, In my experience, my energy drops happened all because, and and it happened in a way of, you know, I played a role in that as well because when I stopped playing, one of my pieces was um, I completely disconnected from my team. Um, I felt like I just needed time to think um, with that time I think, I also had to get, um, take the right precautions to actually take care of the concussion and the symptoms that I was dealing with, which evolved around not being around light, TV, music. So I was basically in a dark room, not being able to sleep, still trying to figure out how to navigate this space and also fearing the unknown. And then I just hit a wall. Um, and then for me, uh, my experience was just uh, – literally in a a deep and dark place because of the concussion uh, protocols and I had to be, but that energy drop, I think it's something that if you really focus on the things that you can control, which are getting that sunlight, um, being around people or having conversations with people that really bring you joy, um, putting great things, whether it's music, reading, writing, whatever it may be, putting positive and good things in your mind and your body, meditating. If you, if that's something that you practice yoga, Uh, Then those are some things that can combat some of those energy
1: drops. Right, for sure. And like it, I heard a little bit about both of you were talking about reengaging with like some kind of purpose, some kind of forward movement. Matt talked about a couple of things there. He talked about purpose and like just not like wasting, you know, making the most of this time. Um, He talked about like we kind of staying competitive. Like if, if competition is something that you've had to give up due to the pandemic, how can, you know, just how the the role of competitive, um, that that competitive spirit can have in kind of digging you out from like the, the lower parts of energy and bringing you up a little bit, speak to like that purpose and that, uh, competition side of things. Were you guys able to kind of regain energy in any way through, um, like, learning how to be competitive in a different way, or maybe it is a different context other than sports altogether, um, or finding some kind of purpose uh, through that, that kind of aftermath and that, that difficult downtime?
4: Sure. Part of, part of the reason why I feel like I stopped playing was because I felt like I had an idea of what my purpose is. And for all athletes that are out there, I highly recommend You know, outside of athletics, if there's something that you enjoy, whether that's reading, writing, something artistically, I'm really diving deeply and allowing that to become a part of you as well. Um, Part for me, that was giving back to my community and mentoring um, young people. So, part I found my purpose throughout that process, and then also found other ways to compete, whether that's going out for runs, riding the bike. Now I'm golfing, um, and that's such an internal and personal way to compete with yourself. Um, that it's just, there are always opportunities out there. Sometimes you just have to be a little bit more creative um, because it isn't heads on. It isn't playing hockey. It isn't playing football. Um, Maybe it's, you know, just going to the park and and running a lap and timing yourself and seeing if you can do better um, for that next one. But um, there are so many different ways um, and practices uh, that I think it's a beautiful thing because you can get creative and find out what works for you.
3: I think too, you know, uh, I really didn't figure this out until it was kind of a hindsight 2020 situation. Um, you know, whatever you believe, like, I believe God gave me a purpose and God gave all of us a purpose, but you know, you have a purpose other than being an athlete. Like, for example, I tell my kids that I coach a lot, like, um, you are not a runner you are a, per- a person who runs or you are not a student you're a, a kid who's learning you know so that rather than saying that that's your identity like i am an athlete it's like well yeah you're a person that does athletics but that's not like actually what you're known as you know you have a purpose of a lot of things you know like you're kind and all you know you're you're driven and you're you persevere and all these other things about you that are way more important than the actual sport and I think that's something that's important to hang on to, like, hi, this is a part of my life, but it's not my whole life, you know, and I feel for, you know, um, seniors in high school or seniors in college in particular, who are getting shuffled around and all this stuff, you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, I wanted to go do this in college, or oh, my gosh, I wanted to do this after college or whatever, um, involving athletics. And I think that sometimes, because that's your goal, it becomes your your sole purpose and identity, but you're made for so much more than simply this one thing. There's so many things about you that are important. Um, And I also think too, like uh, being able to tweak that and being able to, uh, you know, kind of still hold yourself accountable, you know, if you still have competition coming up or um, maybe there's a winter sport that you're hoping that will happen or whatever. I think that being able to you know, tweak, tweak your view, I guess. Um, and whether it's I, Matt talked about like lowering the bar. Um, so maybe refining your, your basic skills, you know, whether that's, you know, running form or whether that's getting stronger in the weight room or whether that's, you know, basic shooting skills for whatever sport you play, um, different things like that, being able to tweak stuff like that and go back to the basics and start building your way up that way. Sometimes that's a another good way to switch your focus if you're still playing um just giving yourself permission to backtrack and build from the ground up again I think is important.
4: Right. Yeah Alyssa, Alyssa you said something that really hit home to me and it's not an easy process by any means um, you kind of you have to show yourself grace and, and backtrack and really be easy uh, with yourself knowing that these are unprecedented times whether you're a sideline athlete or you just have to sit out for a while and you see other people play, there's incredible opportunity for you to still get a competitive advantage, whether that's watching film, working on footwork, and a lot of things that Alyssa mentioned. Um, So again, it's really about just re-navigating. I think as athletes, we have that instinct and that ability to do that naturally. Sometimes it's hard to actually understand that. But if you think about, you know, if you're a hockey player or if you're a football player, um, one drive or one play, You may hit the puck wrong or someone may catch the ball on you. You have to bounce back that next play and and really get it going. So um, for me, I tried to, and it took a while, it's a process, but you have to kind of try to use some of the abilities that you may have learned while playing your sport and adapt that to your livelihood as well.
1: Yes, that's really big. That's one of our big messages with Sideline USA is that it can feel like your whole world is upended. It can feel like you don't, and I think for, for a lot of pandemic sideline athletes, um, you might not recognize your current life. You know, if you're a college athlete who's not able to be in the dorms or if you are able to be in the dorms, but because you're playing with your team or practicing, I mean, with your team, you're not allowed to hang out with anyone outside of the team because you have to stay, you know, reduce all the you know, risk and, and things for catching COVID. I mean, there's just a lot, um, there's a lot going on right now, those pressures and just being able to, really understand that this competitive edge that you have as an athlete because of who you are, the skills that you've built up in sports really helps you cope, but it may not be immediately obvious. Like you may need to like milk that a little bit and really think about yourself as more than an athlete and how athletics have really built you up as a person. And one of the exercises that we'll talk about in another um, webinar down the road, but um, one exercise that's helpful is like even just making a list of like who you are as a person, like what has sports taught you? What are the skills? Like what made you a great player? What makes you a great player? And like, those are the skills and those are the character qualities to really dig into now and develop and apply to other contexts. That mind, that mindset, um, the mental game right now is, is, is hard. And I think- we've hit on a lot of points here and um, give yourself grace because the mental game is hard, but also dig into who you are because you're a competitor to help get you to those next places and understanding it's not a one and done fix. Like you're not going to do that once and then be on the right path and like never look back unless you're really lucky, maybe, but more realistically is that's going to be an up and down. You're going to get hit with like, Things that happen this year that kind of trigger you back into feeling, you know, let's face it, hopeless. Like, why am I working so hard on this workout if we don't even know if we have a season? And I can't imagine working all these hours every single week, making the sacrifices that I do if we end up getting shut down. So I know motivation is a huge issue. We'll we'll, we'll talk more about those things, but like for this purposes of this conversation, because I know we can't tackle all of the issues Let's finish out talking about a couple things. One, isolation and how the role of like just when we are trying to self-protect because we just feel numb, we just feel, you know, despair, we just feel defeated, how our human tendency is to retract rather than to lean into social interaction and how that's complicated by pandemic restrictions. And then let's talk about any coping strategies for handling stress. We've got about Let's say about five more minutes here. So let's hit isolation first. This is obviously a huge one. Matt addressed it straight on. But would you guys have any personal reflections to share about um, maybe your own isolating tendencies when you were kind of, you know, feeling down and out?
3: Um, this one kind of hits home for me in particular. Uh, in both my scenarios, I really felt misunderstood, which is a huge anxiety point for me in general. Um, That's what I learned, I guess, through the process is when I feel like people don't understand where I'm at or I don't feel heard, that just like really triggers anxiety for me. Um, But I've learned the power of vulnerability and just being real raw and honest. You know, we're not called to be perfect, but we live in a world that, you know, there's highlight reels and there's instant gratification on the internet and all these things that you know kind of make us forget that everybody is human uh, and we all have faults and we all have struggles and so one being able to again we'll talk about grace or giving yourself permission to you know say hey this is hard for me but then also um being able to be vulnerable and like whether you find a teammate or you talk to your coach or a friend or a family member somebody you know one of us i don't know uh and just being able to be vulnerable and say hey this is a struggle point for me or hey, this is what I'm going through right now. And this is how it feels. Um, I feel like the the more you allow yourself to be vulnerable, the more you realize that other people will do it back. And also how many other people might feel the same way that you do. Um, and so I think that as hard as it is to open up and, you know, show your weakness, it's, it's super important, because it's something I kind of found out after the fact that I know would have been helpful during both times that I kind of backed off from sports. Um, so yeah, I think that's super important.
4: Yeah. And and Matt, I think he used a great example with the kid who said, I'm feeling lonely. And then a bunch of other young people said the same thing. Um, I think that vulnerability piece is key and just being honest with yourself during this time, because oftentimes, especially, I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic and the people that you're surrounded around probably are going through similar things, but just haven't voiced it or don't have the words to voice it. So if you are, if you do have the words and you, you, you are feeling a certain type of way, um, you really just want to double click on what Alyssa said. Surround yourself around your family, talk about it, friends, um, get creative about being in person, whether that's going to the park and having lunch and just being six feet away, laying down blankets, um, whatever that may look like for you. Um, we are in the middle of a pandemic, but you also still have control in certain spaces. So take advantage of that control and make use of this time in ways that are productive for you.
3: Yeah. I think too, uh, kind of bouncing back off of that, you know, like along with vulnerability, asking for help is okay. You know, like, uh, Matt mentioned in the first segment, something about, um, athletes have a drive because they're uncomfortable with the gap between like where they are and where they want to be. And right now, you know where you want to be back to normal, <laughs> but you can't really use that as your baseline. So being able to set different goals or being able to utilize this time in a healthy manner um, and kind of find a different way to train or a different way to utilize your time um, sometimes requires you asking for help because you're uncomfortable with the gap of, hi, I don't feel great right now and I'm struggling right now and I don't want to be there anymore. Um and that your competitive drive is still kicking in there. And that's a good thing. You know, you want to, you want to be better and you want to feel better and you want to utilize this time well, but sometimes it requires you, uh, you know, giving yourself grace and giving yourself permission to ask for help also.
1: So that's, that's really great. I, I appreciate that so much. Um, I, I would end there, but I didn't get to the chronic stress yet. I thought that was a really good thing to end on, but in case there's anything more, um, any tips you guys have on just like, self-care when it comes to handling stress? Is there anything that um, you recommend that Matt either suggested or beyond what Matt suggested?
4: Sure. I think one is just understanding that's a process and it's ever-evolving something. You may do something today that worked really well and you're like, wow, I feel better. And tomorrow may not work as as well. Um, But understand it again, it's it's a process. Self-care, it should be a priority. Um, we're living in a time where sometimes we may need to take a break from social media. Sometimes we may just need to go outside and walk with, and leave our phone. Sometimes we may just need, you know, to set up 10 minutes um, just to go on YouTube and, and put on our favorite comedian and just laugh um, or cry. Like those are things that that are okay. Um, and I think giving yourself the space and the time to do that is a part of that self-care piece that you know, everyone going through this pandemic is really coming face to face with. Um, so just be intentional as possible about what that may look like for you. And also understand that you have to be adaptive, like it, it may not work tomorrow, um, whether that's meditation, prayer, uh, whatever it may be talking to someone, it may not be as um, just a leaving of the stresses as, as, as it may have been in the past. But I think that's a part of, you know, similar to a game, like you have to Go in with a different game plan that next, the next, um, the next game, the next week. So um, if we approach it that way, I think um, just from a mental health mindset perspective um, and just understanding that it's a process, I think that allows for opportunity to just not always have to have everything to be okay. You can acknowledge your feelings and the emotions and also what you need in that space.
3: Absolutely. I love that. And I also think, To you know you kind of touched on it but uh celebrating your little victories you know whether you know something worked today and maybe it doesn't work tomorrow but yesterday it worked and like it gave you a little bit of joy or like a little bit of you know uh excitement I guess for your day um and continuing to grow you know in and out of you know an athletic setting whatever that means whether you try something new or you know you maybe you decide that you're going to have a chat with someone and be more vulnerable or whatever. That's growth, you know, like different things like that and celebrating those little wins I think are important. And I think too, you know, focusing on finding things you like to do and what those do for you now what you do for it. I know that Matt talked about like, focus on uh, what the workout does for you and how it makes you feel, you know, whether it just like got your heart rate up and some of those endorphins going or, you know, you just like, you moved like, great, you know, uh, Rather than like what you did for the workout because you can't use like normal uh, from before as your baseline now Um, and just giving yourself permission to let go of that and focus on now and like positive things and little victories and I think the social media thing is huge you know, Uh, myself included I need to remember that all the time being able to unplug and just not continue to scroll and compare because whether or not you're trying to compare, I think we all compare uh, when we're looking at all these cool pictures and videos and all these things of people, you know, having fun and doing all these cool things and uh, comparing each other and whatever. And I think it's important to just pause from that and take a break, whether that's one day a week or whether that's for a week at a time or whatever, I think that that's a good thing to do also.
1: That's great. Matthew and Alyssa this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for your your insights. Those are some really practical applications to the the insights that Matt gave. Just to give everyone a heads up on the next topic, we're going to be diving in deeper to that kind of um the play of thoughts in our heads, managing negative and self-defeating thoughts because along the way those are going to pop up like left and right uninvited. Um these these thoughts and distractions and discouragements are going to are going to just something that we're going to be contending with for the foreseeable future as as life doesn't look how we really would like it to look like let's be honest about it and let's give you guys let's talk about some tools that we can use to train our minds like what do you do in that time so that's the next topic but uh for today we encourage everyone to take these topics and start discussing them with your teens. like it's This is only so good as you guys get talking, our listeners get talking with each other, um, supporting one another, acknowledging the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is like this stinks and it's hard and no one wants to be labeled a whiner, but at the same time, this isn't like that. Like this is just talking about real life and helping each other as teammates get through the mental stuff and be prepared, yes, for the physical when that comes to be for competition, But in the meantime, let's grow together as humans. Let's have each other's backs. Let's get stronger together. And um, that's just the message that we're trying to put out. Thanks again, Matthew and Alyssa. Great talk.